This is a recording made in the chapel of the open book and is a continuation of the series Saul who is called Paul. I just remind you that this is the Sunday morning service at the chapel and I felt that it was not quite fitting to go into some of the intimate details that I'd planned with regard to Saul, Roman governors or all the other features but we could still complete that series and get the benefit by the, the introductions we've had by asking the question who then is Paul? We're asking the question but he asked the question himself. He says who then is Paul? Who then is Paul? But a minister by whom you believed. So you see we value the earthen vessel not because of itself particularly, but because of what it contains. So we could keep on continually speaking about Saul of Tarsus or Paul the Apostle and get very little further. I don't know whether you've ever had the misfortune of visiting folks and uh, something like this, or maybe an exaggeration, they're just beaming with the thought that they've got a real crown derby set of tea things. And you were looking at them and examining them and congratulating them and gasping for a cup of tea which they never gave you. You see, it's one thing to see that Paul was an earthen vessel. But an earthen vessel is very little use unless it is filled and provides. And then of course again, you take say the analogy of a person who is stricken crippled or something in a desert place. A mile away is fresh water and he's dying for water. Would he object to any sort of vessel, earthen vessel, whatever it may be, an old tin mug it wouldn't matter, as long as it could bring that water of life to him. And so we pass this morning from Saul, the earthen vessel, to some of the wonders that God has put in that vessel for our benefit. So the transition this morning is to look at the Apostle Paul as a vessel and then to change the title we are going to consider a continuation of this study where we we read that the certain company in the Acts of the Apostles were more noble than another company in this that they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. We're going to use the Apostle Paul so that we may search his writings and discover those basic doctrines without which we cannot possibly hope to preach a gospel that will be a blessing or understand the wonder of our high calling. So that you will understand the reason why we are making this transition and I hope it will be blessed, not only to the little company here on the Sunday mornings, but those who have so far been with us in this tape recording in connection with the Apostle Paul himself. You notice in the passage we had read in Isaiah 6, he heard the voice saying, Whom shall I send? And he didn't say, I'll go. He said, Here am I. Send me. And one of the emphases that is in the story of the Apostle Paul, that he was sent. 
So shall we now give our consideration to this transition this morning from the earthen vessels himself to the glorious truth that was conveyed in him. As I said, he has already anticipated our question, who then is Paul? But a minister. Now sometimes the word minister is magnified. Some years ago I remember taking a subject when a young lady with a lace cap was a servant in a true sense of the word that we do not use so much today. And there came to the door a gentleman with a collar, clerical collar, and a black flat hat. And there were two ministers talking to one another. For he was a minister and she was a servant, but they mean the same. And Paul says he was a minister. He wasn't putting himself on a pedestal. He was taking a lowly position. I am but a means to an end. And the end is Christ. And all his wondrous work. And all the consequences that flow out from that work to you and to me. So, you remember he says it almost uh, as though he would give them some snub. He said, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised in the name of Paul? Don't you see, there is the possibility of magnifying um, uh, uh, the minister so that he eclipses the wonderful ministry entrusted to him. And that was a thing which the Apostle Paul naturally abominated. So after this morning, when we meet together on these same occasions, we're going to turn to the writings of this earthen vessel to discover some of the basic truths without which neither salvation or hope of glory can be really fully, completely appreciated, believed and understood. Will you now turn with me to a series of passages just to help us in this direction? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 he's raising this very question that I've partly quoted who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom he believed even as the Lord gave to every man I have planted, oh he doesn't say his work was valueless, I have planted and Apollos watered. But the miracle of life is still waiting. You may plant and you may water unless God gives the increase, it's all in vain. But he says we had our place to fill, but we don't magnify it beyond its due. So then, Neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. But God that giveth the increase. And then he turns from that figure to the figure of a, a building. Verse 10. Ye are, he says at the end of verse 9, Ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, an architect, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. But other foundation can no man lay 
than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he says, you see, my work was a foundation ministry. Now a foundation is very, very essential for a good building. But if a foundation is laid by a builder and something goes wrong with the deeds always, and there is this space in this street with great concrete slabs at the bottom and no building goes upon it, it's a nuisance. So you see, Paul said, I had a foundation ministry. But it must be used. One of us may plant and another water, but it must be blessed. And so we are saying, while we thank God for the ministry of a man like Paul, we thank God that he had a ministry that was worth all the suffering that he endured to pass it on to us. And it's that one that filled his vision. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus. And so that is our theme for I don't know how long now with this subject under this new title, the continuation of the series, Saul, also called Paul. When you look at 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. Two Corinthians chapter four, verse five. We preach not ourselves. That's another thing that we want to remember. We want so to preach the word that it doesn't uh, uh, seem to anybody that we are preaching Paul. We are not Paulites. We belong to Christ. But we thank God that every sent this man to make clear the glory there is in Christ for us. And so he says, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And where do you come in then? And ourselves, your servants. Your servants for Jesus Christ. Again, when you look at chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure. He's got a treasure, friends. In earthen vessels. And there's the two sides of the story. Saul of Tarsus, an earthen vessel. But why is he valuable to us? Because of the treasure that was put in him for our sakes. And then we come to, while we're still dealing with Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 16 and 17. Just turn back again if you don't mind. 16 and 17. For though I preach the gospel I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more, Jew and Gentile and so on. Here is this man now facing his ministry. He says, what, what is my reward then in verse 18? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I have made the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. It was very sensitive to the idea that he was making anything out of it from the lower angle. 
in which those words are sometimes used. We read, well, we had our reading through our brother Mr. Hill of the way in which the uh, apostle was stricken down on that road to Damascus. And the words of Christ, you may remember, in Acts 9, he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name to the Gentile and Jew and kings and so on. So whether we appreciate Paul or whether we do not, the apostle was a chosen vessel and we cannot set aside the Lord's choice without in some measure turning away from the fount of blessing to ourselves. So that as I said, we don't worship Paul. He is but a minister by whom we believe, but what a minister, friends. And he doesn't hesitate to see, you serve the Lord as I've served him, because he realised that grace was sufficient for him and the same grace for us. There's an emphasis, do you remember, on the fact that he was separated while they were at the meeting place at Antioch, the Spirit of God broke the silence of the meeting and said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, unto the work which I have called. Notice that Barnabas came first, and Saul was called Paul. But there soon came a change when Barnabas was not first, and Saul had his name changed to Paul. And his name is changed to Paul when he came into contact, as you remember, with a Gentile ruler who was being badgered by a Jewish uh, misbeliever and Saul, who also is called Paul, is there linked with a Gentile who needed salvation and found it. And then you remember when he was writing the epistle to the Romans, the very first verse, Paul separated unto the gospel of God. That's what he felt he was separated, not to gather his cloak about him and have no contact with anybody else. He was made all things to all men that he might save some. But he was conscious that from that moment he was a man of a one-track mind, separated unto the gospel of God. I was once very highly honoured by someone who didn't mean to honour me. He said, you're a man of one-track mind. And may I ever be so, if the one track is to follow in the steps of this faithful servant of the Lord, whose great desire was to preach not himself but Christ Jesus the Lord, and bring not only salvation and forgiveness, but a consciousness of a glory that's beyond dreams, if it were not entrusted to him. And then, not only separated, he himself woke up to a consciousness. Galatians chapter 1 says, although he knew not, he was separated from his mother's womb. There is something that's beyond our ability to test, except to believe. There he was born, and there he grew up, and he became a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and all the time he had been marked out by God from his birth. And the moment came, when God had ordained that his eyes should be opened. Strangely enough, when Saul's eyes were opened, he became blind for a season. For it wasn't the eye of the flesh that saw Christ. It was the eye of faith. 
So all these things are written for our learning and guidance and emulation. He was called. It says in Romans 1, you might just glimpse at that because this is where he's introducing himself in that mighty epistle. Romans chapter 1. This is the way he introduces himself. Paul, a servant. I think you'll discover that the word servant is a deeper word. It's dalos. It means a slave. Now as far as we gather from some of the hints, the Apostle Paul was from a fairly well-to-do family. He was a Roman citizen. And you remember once when he was in custody, the soldier with him said, uh, with great sum purchased I my freedom. And Saul the prisoner looked at him and said, I was born free. He was born free. And here he voluntarily signs himself a slave. Not a cringing slave, but an utter servant of this one who had bought him. You're not your own, he said. You're bought with a price. And he was one of the number, including himself. Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, called. You notice in Isaiah 6, he heard a voice saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah didn't say, I'll go. Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Paul said, I didn't take this up because it was a, an attractive ministry. I didn't take it up at all. I was taken up. I had no option. I discovered I'd been chosen and I cannot possibly turn my back on such a call. So he says, I'm a slave, not in a cringing sense, but in a voluntary sense, and called, our version says, called to be an apostle. Well, that's right enough, but the words to be are in italics and so they're not there. And it's possible it meant something a bit richer. He says, I am a called apostle. That's my calling. And the word apostello, apo means away from, stello is the ordinary word that means to send. That's what it means, sent away from somebody else as his representative. It's used to this very day, but we don't use the word apostle when somebody goes out as an emissary from the Queen or this government to India or somewhere else, with full power to speak in the name of the one that sent him. That's the Apostle. And we shall discover as we go on, as you know already, there were twelve Apostles of the Lamb, but Paul's name will not be found on the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem. He's not one of the twelve. He contrasts himself with the twelve. He was a special Apostle, separated for the Gentiles. And if you don't feel like breaking this meeting up and shouting hallelujah, well, we'll be forgiven because you're very polite. But that's what it was. Twelve apostles for the chosen nation. One apostle. But what an apostle for us poor, far-off Gentiles. And so I felt that we would now make a transition from Saul, who is also called Paul, to look inside that vessel, that chosen vessel, and discover what riches were there waiting for us 
in the form of the great doctrines, which I am glad to believe we all know already. But you are not going to stay away from this meeting on Sunday mornings because I may be taking the subject of justification by faith, or sanctification, or the gift of eternal life, or the forgiveness of sins, or the hope of glory. You'll say, well, let's hear it again and again. And there's most likely some little aspect of it will come with a fresh light as we turn the sacred pictures as pages and see those things which we have dwelt upon and thought upon and believed and loved so many times. He says in 1 Corinthians, again I won't turn you back to this, he says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. He said, I haven't taken this up as a sort of a side issue. I rather shriek when I hear a certain person say, thinks he says he'll go in for the ministry. I begin to wonder what sort of ministry it is you should go in for. The Apostle Paul says, I didn't go in for it. I couldn't help myself. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. That was the way in which this man undertook the ministry entrusted to him. And he says, and I think we might perhaps look at this 1 Corinthians um, no, the Acts of the Apostles, 9.16. The Acts of the Apostles, 9.16, just for another word, to help us. It says, uh, verse um, 15, that the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name. It's not the name of Paul that was on the outside of that vessel, friends, you notice. The vessel was bearing his name, the name of his Lord, before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And that's one of the extraordinary tests. This suffering that this man endured is almost beyond belief. And some of us may have no way of explaining why it should be. But we face the fact that there's not a list in the scriptures of any suffering comparable to that which the Apostle Paul gives except that which we can think of of our Saviour himself. So shall we have a look and see oh, I think it is in Perhaps you'll have to help me over this. Two Corinthians somewhere, he gives a list of his sufferings. Uh, six. six, thank you. Two, two Corinthians, oh yes, here is, is the part of it. He says... Um, I think we'll start with verse 1. We then as workers together with him. Now that was an aspect of his ministry. He was a fellow worker with his Lord. Not taking the precedence, but he was working with him. We beseech you. He didn't order people about, friends. He says, I beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. And then he goes on further down. He says, verse 3, giving no offence in anything that the ministry be not blamed. And uh, continuing, 
But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in what way? In scholarship? In the nice house which we lived? Oh no. In much patience. The very first thing, in much patience. In afflictions. In necessities. In labours. In watchings. In fastings. By pureness. By knowledge. By long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armour of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honour and dishonour, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is opened unto you, our heart is enlarged. And you remember in another passage where he speaks about the time in which he was shipwrecked, and I don't know what. What is that? Chapter 11. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what number? Chapter 11, 24. 24. Yes. Oh, that, that, that's the one I was wanting. You see, I haven't got it all taped, friends, have I? That's very good for you to help me. He says, verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. He had to put that little bit in first because he was going to say, and I'll beat them all. I am more. If you want a minister of Christ who is a super ministry, here's the man. Here's his qualifications. Qualifications. Parchments. Oh no, oh no, he says. In labours, more abundant. In stripes, more of was it in in stripes above measure. You think of the indignity of a man of his caliber being stripped and flogged. Why people make a, a, a to do about a prisoner today in prison who may have been an outrageous person being given the cat? But what about this man flogged? He says, in, in stripes more abundant measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. You know the forty stripes, save one, was a little safeguard because the law of Moses said that a man must not be given more than forty stripes because it would be inhuman. So they always gave him 39 to be on the safe side. But 39 stripes, five times over. You think of that. I once heard somebody who joined up the army, he said he was going in for stripes. He didn't mean these though, friends. These were stripes that were far more than any could be given to a soldier in any, any time. In debts, 
Oh, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Now that's the Roman punishment. And they didn't seem to have any reference to how many were given. Beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. And that's a terrific thing too. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. He had enough perils to get on with, didn't he, friends? This man who had been chosen by the Lord to be a vessel to contain this glorious truth which we rejoice in even today in this chapel. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh on me daily, the care of all the churches. You think of it. Now I have a struggle to get my boots on, friends, to come to this meeting. And I'm puffing and blowing while the dear wife is also struggling to get them on for me. Well, what's that? What is that when you think of this list? This man endured all these things unwillingly for your sake and mine, for the Gentile, and he was a Hebrew. Let's finish. Beside these things that are without, that which cometh on me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of those things which concern mine in infirmities. And then he speaks about that one little bit that I suppose did make him feel a little bit ashamed in a sense. He was let down the wall at Damascus and escaped. Here's this man, friends. And he has the temerity to say, after a long list of sufferings like this, Be ye followers of me. Be ye followers of me, as I am of Christ. Well, I don't see that I've got or you've got any possibility of following him very far in these things. But all friends, what a vessel. What a vessel. Shall we not expect that such a vessel will contain some glory, some grace, that will make it, as it were, worthwhile? And so I've said to you that I hope to go on with this series from the other point of view, not so much speaking about Saul, who also is called Paul, but to see what he has taught. Consider some of the doctrines which are unfortunately enabled Pauline doctrines. They were only Pauline because he had them and Peter and James and John didn't. But they were the gift of Christ and entrusted to him and so passed on to us to hold the sacred trust also. You notice, as far as I can gather, 
that he never recovered from the blinding that he received in that glorious light at the day of his conversion. The, the epistle to the Galatians, he says, you see with what large letters, not merely an epistle, with what large characters I have written unto you with mine own hand. And he says in the bulk of the epistle to the Galatians, when I was with you, if you could have done it, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So this man had to go through the remainder of his ministry with very poor eyesight, a crippled body, beaten, shipwrecked, suffering all sorts of, you might say, inhuman sufferings. And yet, you couldn't take away from him the rejoicing that he had in such an honour. So when we come together, friends, our text will be a continuation of this subject, but under the new heading, search the scriptures to see if these things are so, and the scriptures that we will search particularly will be those marvellous epistles that were written to the church and have come down to us, the epistles of Paul. We shall discover that they are divided into two classes, those that were written by Paul while he was a free man, and those that were written by Paul when he became a prisoner. Now the basic doctrines will be discovered in those epistles that he wrote when he was a free man. And then, when he was put in prison, the added glory is given of that marvellous revelation of truth which we call the dispensation and the mystery. And in that, most of us see our calling, members of the body of Christ, the sphere of our blessing, not the new Jerusalem, but far above all principality and power. That is an anticipation. And I hope that when this series is through, we shall feel beneath our feet, indeed the rock of ages, and have in front of us a hope that cannot be denied, and a joy that the world cannot give or take away. So I ask you to remember these meetings in your prayers, if you will, so that we may be able to fulfil this ministry, which I feel sure the Lord has laid upon us. I'm going to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, just to finish. That is to say, verses 16 onwards. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, uh, but be it so, I did not burden you. Oh, I'm reading, uh, yes, right, verse 16. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Isn't it awful to think that he should have to repudiate such things? So if sometimes you and I have to bear these sort of innuendos, we're in good company, friends. Did I make gain of you by any of whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things dearly, beloved, for your edifying. For I fear 
lest when I come I should not find you such as I would, and that I should be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envies, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults, and so on. That was the sort of thing that the man was troubled about. He sought to emphasize the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and a walk that was worthy. And may God help us in our little ministry and the way in which we conduct ourselves, in the way in which we live our daily, everyday life, as well as the few hours we spend in chapel, so that we may at least receive the Lord's well done in the day which matters most the day when he will give an estimate of our witness and so we commend this series once more to your prayers